This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 80, where the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know me as Vince, but uh, I'm transitioning. Or you can call me Brian or you can call me Vince. If you're a new listener, hey, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it today. And if you're a new listener, you've come on the right day because we have a very special show today. Dushan Zeresh is on the show today uh, via Skype. And he is, of course, the, uh, well, if you don't know who he is, you should. He's, uh, first of all, won Tales of the Cocktails Award for Best Bar Mentor this year. He's a, he's a very inspirational guy, very knowledgeable guy. He's built employees only, among other bars. And he started a new company called The 86 Company. And he talks a little bit about that, but um, he shares some great, great uh, knowledge about bartending and um, about cocktails and spirits and uh, all kinds of things. So you really don't want to miss this one. It's a special, special episode. I met him down at Tales of the Cocktail, where he was doing one of the duo events, as they call them, um, which means he was actually behind the bar making drinks and uh to have a drink made by him personally was quite an honor and uh something very special before i get into the interview i want to share with you a couple of things uh, a couple of new things you can listen to us now on stitcher radio and uh i finally after procrastinating on this for ever i finally started a bartender journey facebook page so please go to facebook uh specifically facebook dot com slash bartender journey podcast all one word no spaces or dashes or anything and um like us please like us and also um hey do me a favor big big favor please go to itunes uh within itunes and you search for bartender journey and uh write us a quick review just a sentence or two is fine and give us some stars it really helps us out and uh, i really appreciate it all right i can't wait to play this interview for you guys I apologize for some weird noises that you'll hear during the interview. There was a truck backing up or something on his end and uh, a few other Skype noises. But uh, after the interview, I'm going to tell you where you can actually see it. You can see the conversation as a video. And that's uh, especially when he starts talking about the difference between free pouring and using a jigger. It's a really great it's a great conversation, but it's it's cool to see him in, in person, too. So uh, you'll be able to see the video of it. And I'll tell you where after this interview. Hi. Hi, Dushan. How are you, Brian? Great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. Well, Thank uh, you for having me. Uh, well, congratulations on your uh, award, Best Mentor Award at uh, Tales of the Cocktail this year. That's pretty awesome. What does that, Thank uh, you. What does that category uh, mean, mean to you? I don't know, man. I think it's really <laughs> the, highest, the highest honor you can get. I mean, you know, I still am trying to kind of... Uh, you get to my kind of senses and coherent thinking that's not, you know, connected with any kind of emotional reaction, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to be, you know, to understand what that really means and what that responsibility now is, having won that award. Yeah, it is a, uh, it does seem like it comes with some responsibility and... Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, yeah, we met there at the at one of those duo events at Tales of Cocktail, and that was, that was those are awesome events. Very cool to... Uh, have you personally make a drink for me and my wife? That was an honor. We appreciated that, and uh, got a chance to have Jimmy and make me a drink. And uh, yeah, that's really really fun event. How do you, have, you've been to uh, all the tales of cocktail or most of them? 
Most of them. Yeah. Most of them. This is my eighth year, probably. Uh huh. And so, yeah. it's a fun time, huh? Well, you know, it's it's the biggest gathering in our industry. Um, it, it's you know, it used to help me a great deal make some money on the side when I was before I uh, started working with the 86 company because I would get consulting work for a full year just by being there for five days. Mm. Uh, you know, I would actually make another salary for myself, you know, another yearly salary just by being there and, and connecting with people. Right. But those days are gone. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm in the liquor business and, you know, uh, things are different. Yeah. Can, can you tell us about the 86 yeah. company a bit? Yeah, I mean, so we have come together after years of consulting for uh, large uh, liquor companies um, with the understanding that uh, marketing-wise and production-wise, everything they do is geared towards uh, the consumer and uh, consumer approval. Uh, so what we were noticing that not only us as bartenders, but also our friends and, and the industry in general has you know, it's been going a huge change. Um, you know, the bartender of today and the bartender of 15 years ago are completely two different animals. Mm -hmm. So the bartender of today is, is more like a craftsperson. They, they require specific tools to be able to, to execute their job. And it's not only the hardware tools that we're talking about, you know, the shakers and the, the, the mixing glasses and the ice and all that stuff. They also require liquid tools, uh, spirits that are designed specifically to be versatile, dependable, and can shine in cocktails. Mm. And uh, so for us, it was inconceivable that nobody ever thought about this before, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so we, we set out talking to bartenders, asking them, what is it that you need? What will make your life easier? Right. And so we got all the responses and we set out to find producers who will produce these spirits with us from scratch so that we can give the bartenders exactly what is it that they need, not what they want. Because, you know, what we want and what we need are two different things. Mm. But what, what will really make your life easier? And so, and so we, we have come up with, with uh, a gin that actually now comes again back to you at Juniper Flavor. Um, you know, we have a rum uh, that is the only other Carta Blanca rum on the market next to Havana Club. Uh, we have... Um, Tequila that is slightly overproof comes from the Highlands of Verandas, and finally we have um, a vodka made in Canada. So four basic spirits. The only one that we couldn't make, and but we're asked to do, was a hundred proof rye whiskey that will always be in stock and sell for twenty one dollars. <laughs> you couldn't make that happen. Come on, <laughs> it I, seems like you so, can do almost anything. <laughs> well, you know that that was the one the one thing we like we couldn't do. We we certainly found a source. And could make whiskey, but uh, that whiskey would not stand up in quality to the rest of the products that we make. Right. Therefore, you know, we just decided not to do it. And it also takes uh, quite a bit longer to make whiskey, right? So that might be part of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we, we were actually looking to source out already aged whiskey and then blend it according to our idea what that whiskey should taste like. Mm. Uh, but since most of the whiskey that's available now on the open market comes from Canada and the way they produce and they age, it results in, in, in a style of whiskey that is not necessarily something that bartenders want for mixing. Mm. It, is a, it is a great style for you know, enjoying it by itself, but for, for using it as a, as a, as a workhorse whiskey, it has to have a lot more malt 
Mm. Uh, and we couldn't find enough uh, whiskey of, of that quality. Therefore, we just uh, chose not to do it for the time being. Right, right. Well, why do you think uh, rye is just, uh, is it a matter of supply or demand that, that it's uh, running out all the time or both? Um, it is it is a problem. Uh, you know, there is different styles of rye whiskey. Uh, when we when we when we as bartenders talk about rye, what comes to our mind is something along the lines of Rittenhouse 100 proof, um, something that's bottled in bond, something that is a little bit rough on the edges, not so not so polished in in in, in the flavor profile, something that actually can work great in a Manhattan and old fashioned and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And demand for that style of whiskey is huge by the bartenders. Yeah. But then you have now now you have and and the supply is fairly low. Uh, the supply is such that actually these products go out of stock a lot, mm-hmm. and that it's it's just you know it's just a, a really uncomfortable place to be as a bar a bar owner or a bar bar manager or even a bartender because you can't consistently commit to uh, to offer a, a cocktail that that uses whiskeys like that because yeah. uh, they'll be going out of stock within three months and then what? Yeah. And other people have resorted to do, um, th- and then there's the demand and supply on the consumer side, which is, you know, like Templeton or or um, Whistlepig and all these new brands that are coming out that are basically designed, you know, to be over-oaked, to appeal to the consumer palate and don't necessarily work well in cocktails. Mm. So um, you have these two kind of camps and both of them are experiencing huge demands and very, very spotty supply. A lot of whiskey producers are laying dry as we speak, but this is a process. You know, this is a category that is so small in the overall spirits category that it doesn't even register. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, you cannot yeah. even get like a 1% global sales, yeah. you know, to see. And so it is something that is cool and hip and has been cool and hip, but I don't think that that's going to change pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, Manhattans, I must say, uh, my first trip into Employees Only was uh, such a great experience. I, I may have told you the story that night, but, you know, my buddy was running late. He said he was going to be there. Yeah. He wasn't there. And I was like a little out of sorts. I you know, hadn't been in the bar before. And Igor just made me feel so welcome. You know, he, you know, he could tell I was a little uh, out of sorts somehow. He just came over with a glass of water, you know, no pressure to order a drink right away. It's such a such a great bar, you know, and uh, we really uh, appreciate the way you designed it, you know. So uh, I wanted to ask, you know, is, is there anything you could recommend to bar owners without major res- renovations to make their bars sexier, <laughs> as employees only is? Uh- well, there's a few things. Yeah, there is. Uh, there is the out, you know, the outward side, the external side. You know, that's kind of a little bit formulaic. Um, it should reflect uh, the way you feel about hospitality, for sure. So, whatever hospitality means for you and your and your team, you know, your external bar design should should definitely take that into into notice which means what's your light going going to be mm-hmm. uh what's the the shade of that light is it you know is it just pure you know uh, ye- yellow light or do you go orange do you go darker amber yeah. as the night progresses what are the reflections from that light going to be what are the other surfaces is your bar bar top um, wood mahogany or is it copper or is it brass or is it uh um, what's that other one uh, that people use a lot? Granite. Yeah, well, granite is is un- is yeah. a very unfortunate yeah, choice. I, I you know, I always I always advise against against 
stone surfaces. It's yeah. just the breakage. The breakage is insane. But you know, like, what are your surfaces like? Is are you are you comfortable, you know, sitting at that bar? Yeah. Uh, uh, do you want to stay there for a while? You know, is the is the when you sit at the bar, you know, do you feel like you, your your legs are supported, your elbows are supported? Do you feel properly? You know, these are all elements that people don't really notice until they're not there. And then you're like, oh, something's wrong with this bar stool or something's wrong with this bar top or the lights or, you know, I don't, you know, I, or I don't look that good in this light or I see my reflection in the mirror and I'm not really happy the way I, I come, come across. So these are all things. But then, you know, the most important thing is how you make people feel. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, it's, it's just a life skill, right? Like yeah. we always go through life trying to make other people feel good about us. Right. Uh, see, seeking approval, right? We're yeah. seeking approval. So, so the guests want the same thing, you know. And and so, how do we train our staff to be available, to be vulnerable in a sense that we always give approval first? Um, that I think is a really, really important part yeah. of designing bars. And that's what what Igor did to you. He 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 basically adjusted himself. Mm-hmm. To your to your presence, and you know he noticed that you are, uh, you know, a little bit maybe you know late or confused or a little bit uncomfortable being in a new place, and so he just gave you space, gave you, gave you time to settle down, got you a glass of water, there's no pressure, you know, like here you're welcome to be whoever you need to be, yeah, you know, and 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 that's that's kind of the secret. It was perfect in that moment, I tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and you guys uh, at EOU uh, Free Pour, which is kind of goes against the uh, the other cocktail bars in Manhattan and most of the cocktail bars around these days. And is that uh, how'd you come to that decision? Well, we were forced to do this. Um, th- th- you know, I I I don't have anything against jiggering. I use jiggers myself when I when I uh, work on recipes when I. When I teach people about certain cocktails, I, I certainly use jiggers. Um, they are helpful. Um, I don't believe that jiggers alone will make or break you. Um, if that was the case, then uh, we could we could design machines that make drinks, and they would be much more consistent, and their drinks would be perfectly diluted and perfectly chilled, and you know, always always the way they're supposed to taste. And uh, Nobody goes to a robot bartender to get to get a drink. Uh, you know, there is this human element that I learned to understand. Really, is fifty percent of the cocktail. Um, think about it: when you are jiggering, your whole body language, your upper body, and your focus is focused downward. Yeah. So you are you are grabbing the bottle, you're pouring into this jigger. That jigger is then you know poured into a, a mixing vessel. And like you, your your upper body, your area of your chest, uh, the area of your of your head, everything is projecting downward towards your working surface, which means that you are basically not send, sending a, a a body language signal to your guests. I am here. I am available. Nor can you really pay attention to what is going on right. out there because you are paying attention with your senses about how to create the drink. Mm. When you learn how to free pour. Your body language changes. You're basically opening up your chest and you are opening up your whole viewpoint. Your head lifts up because you're not really actually paying attention anymore with your eyes about how much you pour because you have trained your hand Mm -hmm. to know exactly how much liquid leaves the bottle in a unit of time. Right. Uh, Free pouring is hard. It's not easy to learn. We were forced to learn it because we always used to work in places that demanded really high output. 
And you know, you just had to do a poor test, you know. Yeah. And to this day, if you work at TGI Fridays at one of these corporate uh, chain places, you come to work, you do a poor test. If you fail your poor test, you're not you're not working this shift. There's mm. another bartender waiting right behind you mm. who's going to nail that poor test and work the shift. So, although I don't believe in this type of competitive environment, what I believe is is free pouring is is essential. Because it, if you don't master free pouring, you cannot connect your heart to your to your execution of your cocktails. It's just not there, That's you know. Great. And it and it becomes it becomes cognitive only. If you use jiggers only, you're very one sided. You know, it's as if you are only cognitive, and um, there is absolutely no no emotion going in, into the cocktail. Wow. Um, as if I'm not saying it is always the case, but it. It seems like it, and especially you know, I'd I'd like it to be all about the guests, you know. And if I am, if my body language is such that I'm open and I'm available and I'm paying attention to what's going on and I'm taking, like I'm making eye contacts with people who are waiting to get their order in, then you know the people feel much better. Wow. When I'm working like a swan, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, over my over my mixing vessel pouring being afraid to lift my head up to see how many other people are waiting to be served, then it, it, it also communicates a different kind of uh, message to the guests. Right, right. That's great. I remember uh, I was at one seminar and uh, somebody offered the advice, keep your eyes up even while you're icing the glass. And I thought that was such awesome advice, you know. Yes, it's hard, you know. I always, I always teach my bartenders that, you know, drinks, it was all about the drinks, then people who have the best drinks would still be in business. You know, if it was all about great food and, you know, chefs that, you know, serve duck testicles on salmon <laughs> caviar should be, you know, are still in business. It, that's not why people come back. Yeah. It, it's important that the drinks and the food are, are of great quality and, and the best we can do. Right. But it's, that's not the reason why people will come back. No, no. It's ironic that uh, in your local neighborhood bar, jiggers are really frowned upon by you know by the guests, and they they feel like they're not getting their money's worth, or they're not getting uh, bartenders' uh, discretion, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, you know, now at the at the high end places, they most a lot of them will demand jiggers, you know. But look, I mean, there's also you know there's like our our industry is at a point where the demand for high highly skilled professional bartenders is very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and the supply is just not there. I mean, you can't just, you know, you can't just like be making old fashions for two years and think that you know how to be a bartender. You know, it's it's just like in, in most cases, people who should still be apprenticing with their teachers or others are, you know, now being asked to actually run programs by themselves. And this creates discontent. This creates, although this is great that we have this whole demand and that the bartenders are are in such high demand, you know, we just don't have enough people who understand these things. Right. You know, and then, you know, this whole liturgy about, oh, thou shall always dry shake. I always ask people, why do you dry shake? And they're like, well, it emulsifies better. I'm like, what and what is that? Well, it, you know, I'm like, come on. I mean, at least know why you're doing things. Don't just parrot stuff because you saw it on a YouTube video that some dude with mustaches and sleeve guards is doing. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, who taught you this and why? Why are the reasons you're doing this? You know, you should be always in the clear about why you're doing certain things. Yeah. Um, 
And most and most young bartenders really are just, you know, parroting what, what they've seen other people do. And that's not how you learn to be a bartender. That's, that's, that's just one-sided. Right, right. Well, uh, Jeffrey, uh, <laughs> with the last name that nobody can pronounce, the, the bar book, which is all about techniques, is, uh, I think, is a Morgan great Morgan Taller. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Jeffrey Morgan Taller, yes. Yeah, that, uh, that's a, I really enjoyed that book and uh, learned so much from it. And he, he talked about how it's not just about the recipes. You, you got Like you were saying, you got to know why you're doing certain things. And uh, it was – yeah. I'd recommend that book to anybody. <laughs> very good, very good. It's book. a very good book. It is. It's a very good. Book. I agree. In your book, in uh, the Speakeasy book, you you guys talked about how the flavored martinis of the '90s was kind of a great gateway drug into quality cocktails. Uh, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. I remember the day when when we made our first apple martini, <laughs> and, and it was 1997. And you know, uh, whereas just about that time somebody came out with that apple pucker thing yeah and and one of the liquor reps brought it over and we tasted it at pravda and we were like oh this is terrible <laughs> yeah so we just like but we like the idea because you know apples nobody used apples in cocktails before that mm. you know mm-hmm. and so we were like okay i mean think about it that was almost 20 years ago yeah you know i would serve kamikazes and cosmos and french martinis and you know, if I would serve a whiskey drink, it would be a whiskey sour, and that would that would be the end of that. You know, vodka martinis were all the rage, dirty martinis, and you know, all of a sudden, wow, a new flavor, apples. Hmm. So we basically went to um, the organic store in the neighborhood, and we bought a bunch of Granny Smith organic apples, brought them back to uh, the kitchen, pureed them added sugar to them, made a kind of a puree, put it into a cocktail, you know, started playing with it. Bang, after that, you know, literally 10 minutes after, we had a first rendition of an apple martini made with, you know, pureed organic apples. And it was like, wow, (laughs) how cool is that? You know, how cool is that? Um, Now you look at a cocktail like that, you could define it as being super one-dimensional and, you know, just not exciting at all. Mm. But back then... It was as if somebody would make you a Sazerac for the first time, mm-hmm. you know, new flavors, completely a new experience of drinking. That was then, yeah. you know, look, look where we are now. <laughs> well, uh, outside of the major mo- metropolitan areas, there's still a lot of that kind of apple pucker drinks going on, I'll tell you. <laughs> and it's No, I understand. It's true. But see, like what, other, what people don't understand is, is, is by us pouring these drinks, um, these multicolored cocktails into these V-shaped martini glasses in the 90s, what that has done also is, is conditioned the, the, the guests and the consumers to hold a cocktail glass in their hands, to actually you know, drink a, a different color cocktail that is not just brown and to or sip clear. It, right? To sip it rather yeah. than gulp it <laughs> yeah. with a straw. So it, it, you know, we had to heal the consumer palate after the terrible things that were done to it in during the the, the 70s and the 80s mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's how it all started yeah well you, you also say in the book well uh we think recipes should serve as learning tools for new inspiration and oh. uh that's that's great you know it's sometimes it's easy to think that maybe all the great drinks have already been invented but uh, <laughs> i look from your statement there uh, it's just a jumping off point right well you know like think about it today we we are we are finding we're in unprecedented times in history of, of, of gastronomy in general. Uh, look how much 
and how many ingredients are available to us year long. Mm -hmm. And I'm not only talking about fresh produce, I'm talking about liqueurs and cordials and syrups and distillates and you know fortified wines and even wines and beer beers um, we are now having a huge amount of ingredients available to us and it's growing every week we have more and more things added to it obviously the craft is going to grow and we are as creatives we are pushed to to create new drinks and to create new experiences and that's beautiful yeah. and some people take it to an extreme level and that's great to see you know it's great to see what you can do like if you go to the aviary in, in Chicago and drink there with Charles Jolie I mean you know you're like wow man I've never in my dreams imagined that you know you can do all these things with which is beverage you know then then you know like I, I saw yesterday Julie Reiner was talking about she's judging currently the world-class um, competition going on in, I think it's in Ireland or somewhere, and somebody served her a drink with ants <laughs> as a garnish. Like, you know, red red ants, oh my God. you know, that released this, this, this I don't even know, that, that ant acid um, into the drink. I mean... Dude, ants <laughs> in a cocktail. I mean, who's gonna like, order you that? Know, the only the only insects I ever saw in cocktails were fruit flies, and even that, <laughs> you know. Like, and look at this. I mean, look at this now. It's insane. It's insane. Wow. Very crazy. Yeah. Well, it's it's cool how you make the uh, correlation between jazz and bartending, and, uh, and I can I can see you're very. Um, you, you focus so much on the drink, but the hospitality of it is, is obviously m more important to you. And, and uh, I think that's awesome. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's what you see as an operator for a long time. It, like, it dawns on you. Like, all these people here come because of a reason. Yeah. And the reason cannot be the drinks. Because I can tell you, although we think that we have done our fair share in the contribution of this movement... Our drinks are definitely not, objectively speaking, the best drinks out there. There must be somebody who's doing things a little bit better than us as far as drink, mm -hmm. you know, drink making. I mean, and I am completely okay with that. Right. But that, but you know, that is not the reason why people come back. No, no, you know? not at all. Well, I won't keep you too much longer. I so appreciate your time. The, uh, the best of luck with the eighty six company. Will those Thank products so ever be available to consumers or never? Oh, we actually hope that they will be available. We are actually right now uh, releasing um, the seven fifty size uh, in uh, all liquor stores across the nation that okay. we are available in, in all states that we are available in, which now is twenty two states actually. So. Um, by the end of the year, every uh, every state where you where you can see an eighty six bottle behind the bar will have an eighty six bottle in in the liquor store. So cool. go get it. Make you know learn how to make a, a mean dry gin martini and enjoy yeah. uh, the Christmas time. Yeah, well, I can't hold. I can't wait to hold one of those ergonomically designed bottles. <laughs> they look pretty awesome. Thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dushan. Really You're appreciate welcome. It. Thank you, Brian. Take care. Hope to run into you soon. Bye bye. Me too. Bye. How awesome is he? I had such a great time talking to Deshaun, and I uh, really appreciated him coming on and uh, enjoyed that conversation very much. Felt like I learned a lot. And as I said at the beginning, you'll be able to see that conversation on YouTube. The new Bartender Journey YouTube channel is youtube.com slash thebartenderjourney, all one word, no spaces. 
And uh, check that out. And uh, I hope to have that up simultaneously with this podcast. If it's not up yet, when you check, check back. And I'll have it up there as soon as I can get it done. But in the meantime, you can go to that channel, the youtube.com slash the bartender journey. And you can see a video I made outside the Hotel Monteleon during Tales of the Cocktail. It was the Toast of Tales and uh, the party in the street was a lot of fun. And you can see a quick little video of that. That was fun. There's a la- you might notice a lady dancing in the street there, and she actually had a hospital bracelet on, <laughs> and she was drinking a uh, little tiny bottle of uh, Fireball, I think it was, and uh, straight out of the bottle. And uh, about when the party was uh, about two thirds of the way over, over, we heard all these sirens. You'll you'll see in the video these sirens come, and there was cops come. It was part of the show, actually. You have to see it. Uh, but then uh, during the party, like, whatever, 40 minutes later, we hear sirens again, and we all got to get out of the way, and there's ambulances there and cops. And the old lady had, uh, who was drinking fireball in the street and dancing was taken away in an ambulance. Uh, apparently, she had, like, escaped from a hospital. <laughs> so it was um, quite an experience. Uh, hope she's doing well. And... Uh, Maybe I shouldn't tell that story, but it was it was entertaining to me. <laughs> All right, so like I said, that's the new YouTube channel for Bartender Journey. It's called uh, YouTube. It's youtube.com slash the bartender journey. Remember our Facebook page. That's also new, and uh, I need some likes on there. I just started it, and uh, I would love for everybody listening to like that page. And that is uh, facebook.com slash bartender journey podcast sorry i wish i could have kept everything consistent but uh either i didn't think of it or or they were already taken or whatever but remember uh facebook is bartender journey podcast youtube the bartender journey you know what i'll just put that up on our website i'll put links to it in this week's post on bartenderjourney.net how about that so you don't have to remember all that so uh if you want to find links to everything bartenderjourney.net if you'd like to email me feel free i'd love to hear from you it's vince.bartender at gmail.com on twitter i'm barkeep tips coming up on future shows i'm almost done with the bar smarts wired course which is the course that uh dale degroff and dave wondridge and a bunch of other people put out and it's online it's only 29 dollars. it's great i highly recommend it and uh so i'll talk about some of the things i learned in that course and also uh related to that uh i mentioned it in the interview with Deshaun, uh the bar book by jeff jeffrey margenthaler and uh that is an excellent book on technique and you should really check it out um my buddy ozeal who's been on the show a couple of times, he recommended that book to me. And uh, we're even talking about hope, hopefully getting together over Skype to discuss uh, those two things, the uh, Bar Smarts course and the Bar Book, because there's awesome, awesome tips in that. I mean, doing those two things is like a master class in bartending, I'd say. Excellent. And as I said, hopefully Ozil and I will get together and make a podcast about those two subjects and all the stuff that we learned. All right, that's going to do it for this week. I'll talk to you next week on the podcast, if not before. if I hope Maybe I'll run into you in a bar somewhere. That would be awesome. We could share a cocktail. All right, cheers. Thanks for listening.